Welcome to Ramboulet Gourmet Rambling. I'm your host, Quasi Joblo. Uh, this is a two-part series I'm going to be releasing on uh, the uh, the podcast. Uh, the first one was of uh, Chris Rayleigh, and this one is of Erica Rayleigh. She's a realtor. They're a married couple, and they're very motivated and driven. And uh, also within Erica being a, a realtor, she's also the director of VIP, VIP events and catering at Vanderbilt University. So... She has very interesting things to say as well about what she does day to day, her thought process. So here is Erica Rayleigh. What's going on? Not much. How are you? Doing all right. Good. <laughs> so uh, I think especially talking about real estate and everything, do you have a natural like interest in real estate? Is that something that you like? Does it get your you know, thought press fo- because your thought process flowing? Because I know talking to you, I always get so much good information from you about real estate in general. So what does that mean to your real estate? Yeah, absolutely. So um, real estate is an interesting part of my history, I guess. Um, I started back when I was in high school. I just did like a co-op program where I did it like half of the day, senior year. Yeah. Um, And I was able to uh, just front desk, you know, all that just uh, learning kind of people calling in about open houses and showings and things like that. Um, and I was just able to kind of get interested in the business. I saw the opportunity that was there. Yeah. Um, I've also always had an interest in houses. I can't really explain it why. I just, I've just always found it a little fascinating. Architecture or just the whole like real estate, just the concept, just real estate in general? That's a great question. I would say, um, both. Yeah. And, and I've always found the, um, the financial opportunity very interesting yeah even even in centerville um there was a lot lot there um yeah. so then fast forward i moved out to california after college and when i was there i really i wanted to be a real estate agent i, yeah. I have family out there that um, flips houses and it just it was something i was really interested in And I couldn't figure out how to get in, didn't know what I was supposed to do, didn't even know that there was like tests to take or anything like that. Yeah. And um, actually, Chris's dad said to me, like, just write some letters to the different brokers in town and see if anybody will meet with you. And I didn't know at the time, fast forward, it's kind of funny because they actually are salespeople to you. They want you to join their brokerage. Um, But at the time, I didn't know that. I thought it was a job. And so I reached out, I wrote letters, and I actually got a lot lot of callbacks because they want anybody that'll come. Yeah, yeah. Um, But one particular lady sat down with me, and she ended up being like a mentor to me in those first couple years. Um, first thing she said to me is, you know, do you have enough in your savings account right now to get you through a year without making any money? And I was like, well, absolutely not. I'm, you know, uh, what would I have been 23 at the time? I just got out of college. I don't have any money. I just moved out of California. I definitely don't have any money. Um, and she's like, okay, well, you know, kind of figured that, you know, nothing against you. It's just, that's what you're going to need to do here. But once you do hit it, once you do get that first sale, it's going to take you through. Um, cause out there real estate was a clearly very expensive. Yeah. Um, so was it really, in San Diego you were in? Mm-hmm. I was yeah. in San Diego and I was specifically in Coronado. Um, hold on. Um, and so, so she basically, she got me connected with their corporate office yeah. and, um, for through there, they brought me in for an interview and they were like, listen, we understand that right now, 
like being an actual realtor isn't the thing for you. Um, but we would love to have you on and we'd love to create this position for your background, which a lot of it was like the marketing side of things and the event side of things. Yeah. Um, so I got brought on and as marketing manager, which turned out to be a really great opportunity. Um, it was very eye-opening. They yeah. uh, weren't necessarily super receptive to this girl coming from Ohio. Um, kind of, mm. I don't want to say look down on me, but it just was, a, it was a different vibe. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't one of them. Um, but it was, it was eye-opening because it was just like, it was this opportunity that opened my eyes to what does real estate mean? How do you market? And more so, how do you work with people? Um, so I ended up basically like training all the agents that were older that had been in real estate for a long time how to market themselves. Mm-hmm. And it was a great opportunity. Ended up leaving that job. Um, and then we moved to Nashville. And once we moved to Nashville, I really did more of the event side of things. Um, but through that, we purchased three houses. Um, and in that time I learned a ton about how to, I used my experience on how to market our own house. Um, so we worked a lot with our agent on, you know, how to stage the house appropriately, um, how to prepare it for the market and then the best strategy of getting it on the market. And in that time, I just really realized, and I had talked to Chris about it. I just said, you know, I I do think this is something I'd be really good at, but I was in a career that was very um it tied me in a lot and it it was more of a lifestyle than it was a job and i didn't really feel like i had a way out because i was leading a team and i just felt like they really needed me and i didn't know how i could ever leave them to do that yeah um so then we got towards the beginning of 2020 before covid um and i had gone to my boss at the time and told him i was really interested in real estate and that's what something i wanted to pursue on the side and he got very, I guess, territorial would be kind of the right word, um, and just kind of said that if I focused on that, then you know what would it look like to the rest of the team? And it wasn't what I expected him to say. I expected him to. He, everyone in the company had their own little side gigs, and I thought it would be you know something yeah. that he'd be really good at, or you know, push me towards. And um, it didn't go over well. It was a really weird moment. It was like, what am I doing? Why am I doing all this for somebody else? Like, I'm not really sure how to. Um, to con- you know, continue on in both this situation. And then a week later, COVID hit. The company mm. basically shut down. Um, we went to part-time, and within like two weeks, he let us all go. Um, and so at that exact moment, I was like, I know what this means. Because I, I prayed the night before, and I said, if, if I get let go tomorrow, that is fine. That's what's supposed to happen. But I also know that that means what I'm trying to do for myself is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. So I picked up that real estate book, did my classes, and dove straight in. And so when you ask if it's you know always been a thing, it has. It's always been a thing. Yeah. Um, and I even know, and Chris points it out all the time, when I talk about real estate, I'm incredibly passionate I'm passionate about what it can do for people and where it can take people um, and how it can set you up for your future and how financially responsible it is to purchase real estate um, and what an opportunity that um, people have out there to really like, you know, kick their financial stability into gear by purchasing a house. And it just, I don't know, it just excites me. So yeah, it's always been a thing. It's kind of always been there. Um, I love houses. I love... To be frankly honest, I love how much money you can make selling a house if you sell it appropriately. I think that you can do small things in houses um, that 
you just have to make the buyer feel like it's special when they walk in, that it's different. Yeah. And if you can make your house just look just a little bit different than everybody else's, um, you can make a lot of money. You can really, yeah. you can really do it, do it well. So uh, I hear you said it a couple of times that you know just real estate in general could do a lot for people, take people out of places. What is that that you feel that that can do, like in particular? Yeah, absolutely. So there's not a lot of other situations um, that the government, let's say, will go that direction, will give you a loan for that much money. Yeah. Um, it's it's a you got to be careful with it for sure. But it's an opportunity that you're, you know, if you're set up, you have your two years of employment history or, you know, whatever that means, you know, the lender can talk to you about all that. But um, if if you're set up appropriately, then you can um, get a loan for a lot of money to buy something that will grow exponentially as yeah. you're in it. Um, so, okay, so backtrack a little bit there. You have to live somewhere, right? So yeah. you're either paying into your own equity or you're paying into somebody else's. So you're paying into your own wealth or somebody else's wealth. Um, and so if you can get that loan and pay into your own wealth instead of paying into somebody else's, then you can sell. I also believe in not getting like tied to your home. I mean, I love, you know, you love the story of somebody that's lived at their house for 50 years. That's wonderful. Um, but if you're willing to use it as more of a tool, as like, a, again, an opportunity, um, you can make a lot of money and you can, you know, get people into houses. I, I don't know. There's just, like I said, I think, I think the big thing there is that you can get a loan for a lot of money and like yeah. the, you know, government's not just going to give you a loan for a lot of money for anything else. They're going to put something in that they know they can get money out of if they ever had to sell it for you or whatever. Um, and I think it's a great stepping stone for people Yeah. instead of like a car, which depreciates and you know it appreciates so yeah can you do uh can because a lot of people i think i think people who are educated about like having housing people who know other things but i think there are some people who don't understand like equity mm -hmm. and what it does for them can you explain a little bit like equity and like how you pay into your own wealth instead of other people's yeah absolutely so i'm going to give you the like <laughs> top or no the the most basic level of this because I'm not even, I'm not book smart. So it's just kind of how I know <laughs> I can sell anything, but I might not be that smart. Um, so basically equity is, um, you know, you're getting a loan for a set amount of money. And of course there's interest on it. Um, there's taxes and there is insurance. That's what builds what your monthly payment is. Um, and once you pay into your house, you're paying into your equity. That's right, right? <laughs> should know this better um and so then by the end if you if you've paid in x dollars to your to your equity and then you yeah. sell for x dollars the the in between is profit for you it's it's what you've made from the house that just sounded terrible i'm very sorry but basically no, no. it's what you'll be able to make in the end out of selling your house yeah. it's what you pay in to be able to make money in the end your house appreciates yeah yeah, your house appreciates. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, and, um, in trying to make equity um, from your home, is it, because we talked about something like last year around COVID about like the African-American community and a lot of the times them not understanding uh, <clears throat> how you can buy a home and how, how it doesn't have to have a sentimental token to it. It can also be something that you can leave money for your kids. if. Yeah. 
if people need school paid for, you can help. You can do a lot of different things by building equity equity through the things that, you know, through the property you own. I'm sorry. So, yeah. Do you think equity amongst like the knowledge of it amongst uh, the African-American community is something that really a lot of times uh, diminishes the wealth that a lot of times, you know, the African community, African-American community can use to pass on to the, you know, the later generations. Yeah. So, um, unfortunately there is a lot of unfair things that have happened in the past that have to do with all of this. Um, thankfully there are now fair housing, the fair housing act. Um, and, and that is extremely important and it is very inspiring how much, um, when getting your real estate license, how much weight they put on that. It yeah. is a very big deal. Um, I think that it is... So one of the coolest things that happened in my time in real estate is I joined a team that um, their main mission was to serve instead of just be a real estate agent that just sells your houses, right? Um and a part of serving was to educate. And I was able to help so many people. All people need is someone to talk to them about the steps that it takes. And yeah. that starts at the very beginning, the very first conversation of having a full breakdown of what it takes to buy a house and what you need to do or need to be to buy that house. And if someone takes that 30 minutes to have that conversation with you and then get you set up with a lender that can actually take the time and energy to walk you through that process. It doesn't matter if you're set up for today. Like I've had many people that have come to me that don't have the down payment they need to be able to buy the house or they don't have the credit score they need to buy the house or one of their partners don't have the credit score they need. But if you have those people that can pour into you for just 30 minutes of their day to educate you on how to do that and make a plan with you going forward like hey so if you stay at this job for the next you know 18 months and you keep your credit score at x or we build up your credit score then this is how we're going to do it to x um we'll be able to get you a loan for x amount of money um then you have somebody that also is willing to work with you on trying to figure out what home that is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's an opportunity that's out there for everybody. It's just um, enough people in this world that are willing to take a moment to just teach, you know? It's it's unfair who knows and who doesn't know. A lot of people don't know, actually. Most people don't know until they're taught that first time. Um, and it's it's inspiring how much things are changing um but i i encourage anybody to just ask to go talk to a lender go talk to an agent and just get that first conversation they may tell you what you're doing right now you'll never buy a house like you've got to do these three things to ever do it or they may tell you no you've you're you're well on your way like you could be pre-approved for two hundred thousand today Um, And then you may decide, you know, but I want to buy something a little bit more expensive, whatever, because, you know, you want a certain amount of bedrooms or whatever. But it sets you up for success in the future. So it's just it's it's everyone doing their part on making sure that everyone has the opportunity to do that because it's so important. Everyone should be able to buy a house and everyone should buy a house. That's my personal opinion. Yeah. So I've heard some it's such a 
crazy thing because I've heard like I forget this guy's name. He was a wealthy guy too, but he was saying don't. I've heard some people say buy a house. That's the most important thing you can do. Some people say, well, it's not that important. Don't buy a house. Don't do anything. Do you think that? Uh, because I mean, I read this book called The Color of Law, and it explained how segregation was used to uh, really just create like wealthy neighbors. It really was the way they created ghettos in the suburbs yep. and they zoned all these laws to put only things could be put here and there. Do you think, you know, real estate is something that is like an epitome of like economy? Like you have to have it into to be able to create any driving force and stability in your finances? That's a great question. Um, yeah, like what you're talking about is like redlining, those kind of things. And those are all very much illegal. Um, yeah. And they're very much like there's very strict rules against them now. Yeah. Um, there's probably been strict rules against them longer than we even realize whether they've been enforced. Is, yeah, you yeah. Know, questionable. Um, but um, I get I'm not very opinionated. So this will no, be my no. opinion. I will. I'll just say it. No, no. I do believe in our personal situation and what I have been able to help other people do. So originally, you know, before I was an actual real estate agent, I would have just said this is my personal opinion. Now I'm saying this as a personal opinion plus the people I've been able to help. Yeah. I think it is a foundation of, I think it's a foundation of building wealth. I do. I yeah. really do. And and it, do I think if you don't want to go buy a house, don't buy a house. That's fine. Whatever. Figure out another way to make your money. That's no big deal. Whatever. Yeah. Um, so it's not about like a lifestyle or anything like that. It's just financially, like pen and paper. I There's not a lot of other ways to make money like you can in real estate. Yeah. And so... Uh, you see a lot of people became billionaires off of like, you know, real estate moguls and stuff like that. What is it? I don't, you know, I, I don't know if you, you know, I'm not asking you like, you know, or anything in a sense to put you on the spot. But like, what do you think, you know, people that get that wealthy off of real estate, how long does something like that take? Or like, how how are these people going from some of them, they were broke, you know, mm -hmm. 30, 40 years ago and they stayed with it and they're worth $5 billion off of real estate. So what do you think gets a person from being, you know, having no money to, you know, having that amount of money just in real estate? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's stepping stone. So I think it starts slow um, and then it increases very quickly. So um, especially if that's what your goal is. So uh, like even for us, ours has been a stepping stone, right? So buying our first house was it took all of our savings to put our down payment down um and you know put the minimum down and then we got very lucky and we were able to sell it for a profit we were able to then take that profit and put it into the next level of house sorry uh -huh. next level of house um and then we got very lucky and where we had bought that house um like blew up like it just like that neighborhood just was like nuts and someone came in and offered us personal opinion, way more than what the house was worth. And we were able to put that into this house, but this house, because we moved out of the city, was actually less. So then we were able to use that money to do other things, to then make this house maybe more of what we wanted it to be or whatever. Yeah, um, invest. Yeah, and invest it in like stocks and stuff like that. Because um, you do have to do stuff with your money too. That's the other important thing. Um, for real estate investors, 
it have it it's almost like tattoos like it's like you get one and then you see how much money you can make and you realize you either do it like through a property management company which then real like if you have the financial stability to do that that's a great thing um or you know or you just start making some money and then you're just ready to buy your next one because you see the opportunity there and you're ready to like you understand that this could really work yeah and you keep going with it um we're in a weird market right now though where there i heard a podcast super great podcast for investing and i will figure out what it is and i'll let you know after this um can't remember the name right now but they talked about don't buy where um if you're looking to invest don't buy where it's hot like i had a client call me the other day and he wanted the same property that his cousin got about nine months ago and that property i got his cousin the property for about three hundred and sixty-five thousand. It's now going for about seven hundred, and that's just where the market is right now. And wow. he was very upset because he didn't understand why I couldn't get him the same thing. And it's 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 just supply and demand. There's just no supply out there, and um, so you don't go where it's hot. You go where it's not hot, and then you work really hard with the local community to make it something. Um, we have a friend that um, recently moved back to his hometown in Cleveland and started buying like low income properties because it was something he was passionate about and something he wanted to do. And, um, you know, they, they have to work through that themselves too. They have to figure out how to manage properties like that as well. But he's now been able to buy multiple properties very quickly. And he, he is a wealthy individual. So he had it in his piggy bank to be able to do it. Um, Mm -hmm. But it wasn't a popular popular area at the time. So he was able to get these multi-family properties for dirt cheap. And um, he's able to buy multiple ones. And, and it's, you know, just as anything else, now it's blowing up in the areas and, like, you know, properties around him are selling for a lot more. Um, so you just want to go places that it's not super popular yet and find, like, an awesome deal. Um, and I think the right real estate agent can help you with that i think it's also um just like a little thing i think is like it's you it's your own personal business you're trying to build right if you want to be an investor so you need to put that effort in too like you need to go out there and dig and figure it out and then and then talk to your local agent to try to figure out who they know in the area that's the expert in that area that can help you in those kind of things but um you can't rely all on just a real estate agent in my opinion because it's also your own personal um, it's your own personal investment. You should know where you're investing in, what you're doing, and why you're doing it too. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that, that I I I think it it can happen very quickly. It really yeah. can. So, um, with what is the because uh, how long have you been a realtor? It's been only I was I started. Um, it's been like a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Okay, like what has been the biggest thing you've you've learned that you didn't know? Because it seemed like you have a lot of information that maybe you've been acquiring since mm-hmm. I think you said you're in San, uh, San Diego, right? And you had your mentor. What is like when you got into being a realtor and you know you started? Because did you go right into like selling houses? Like as soon as you got your license, did you jump right in and start doing it? Um, I had one former um, coworker reach out. 
Yeah. And I helped him and his now wife find their first house. Besides that, the only other person was my mom and yeah. hers fell through. And so that was about six months of it. And then, no, it was a little less than that. But basically how it worked was I joined a team. At first I didn't want to do that because I didn't want to give away so much of my money. Because when you do join a team, you give away a large percentage of um, your commission. Um, but I ended up doing it. It was the best thing I've ever done because it opened the doors to so many opportunities. So in my first six months of real estate, I literally sold nothing. And in my second six months, I sold $4.8 million. Oh, nice. And it was amazing. I learned so much. Um, I So I love doing the listing. So I, doing the listing side of things is where I really shine because I'm able to use my design you know, um, skills in helping them get their house staged and ready. Um, it's also more like that organizational side where you're like, you're getting all the vendors in, you're getting everything done. It's just like events, in my opinion. Um, but also on the buying side, it is, it is so heartwarming to help people find homes, especially people that maybe didn't think they could or thought, they called me and they were like, hey, I might do this in the next year. Like, maybe you could help me. Like, would you be willing to talk to me? And I'm like, absolutely, let's get this going. And then you connect them with like a lender that is, you know, willing to help. Because you know yeah. who's willing to help and you know who's not. I learned that very quickly. Mm. Um, we had a lender that we used to use all the time. He's absolutely, he's like brilliant, right? He's not a people person. And I introduced him to one of my first time home buyers and it was a disaster. And I had mm. to like quickly pivot, figure something else out. But I found those people that are just willing to help. Those, those good hearted people that also have that heart to like serve. And um, I think one of the coolest things that I've found is like teaching people about real estate and teaching yeah. people that they have that ability. They can do it, that you can, you can figure it out. And if you're, there's, there's programs out there that help you with um, down payment assistance if you do some classes online. Yeah. There's programs out there that um, that uh, also help with like um, another form of down payment assistance, which is through THDA. Um, there's just there's so many opportunities out there. And if you create a plan and you stick to it, you can buy a house. And I think it's so cool when you get them in there, when you get to that closing day and you're able to like hand them the keys and then you check in with them a week later and they're like moved in and they have their house. And it's like, it's a huge accomplishment for people and it's cool yeah. to be there and be a part of that. So, but I think going back to your question, the coolest or the best thing I've learned is about partnering mm. with your clients, um, the people your client need to be able to buy a home. So the lender, the title company, all of those people, they need all of those people to be able to do it. And if you as the agent take that on as a part of your service and you can help them walk them through that, yeah, it changes everything for them. And you can be their advocate, which is what your job as a real estate agent is, is to be your client's advocate. So yeah. if you have somebody that's doing that, it's it's really cool. And like learning about the lending side of it and all that, it's, it's really awesome. Yeah. So what is a part of it that you probably didn't, that you don't like or probably don't agree with or that's more dis difficult for you to deal with as you do the job? Yeah. Um, I would say how out of hand like the pricing and all of that has mm. gotten um i don't like telling somebody or I, 
I'm just a fast mover. Like I want to find somebody at home. Like it's a goal yeah. and it's a mission and I take it personally. And I don't like having to tell somebody over and over that like a house isn't right for them because of financial reasons. I mean, it's a part of it. It's no big deal. I mean, they get over it. I get over it, all of that. But there, there's some hard, um, hard parts to that, you know, yeah. like your regular house shouldn't be $500,000 and it is right now, specifically here in Nashville. Um, and so I was told at the very beginning of all this, your job is to give hope. And I've carried that through every single transaction I've ever had because inside of me, there is a pessimist that like sees because I plan things out so far in advance in my head I can see all the holes. I can see what could potentially go wrong, but it's my job to help them work through that and not make that a problem. Hmm. And so um, it's uh, regardless of what's hard or what isn't so great or shiny about the job, uh, it's just important to continue to give that hope because it's, it's a hard process, you know? So you need somebody there to do that. Yeah. So you're an event planner as well, right? I am. <laughs> Does the real estate and event planning go hand in hand? It's, it's more so like that mental space, that skill that flows out of you to be able to do both and be good at both. Do you feel like they go hand? Do they help each other? I definitely do. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, they're both service industries of in some way. Um, you have a client and you have a goal and you help them get there and you provide as much support as you can to help them get there. And the more you can provide, the happier they are because in both situations, um, they, in both real estate and events, uh, most people don't know anything about it until they get into it. Like at all. It's like foreign to them. And so someone that does know it, it's like they don't understand at all what you do, but they just want you to help them get it done. Yeah, yeah. And so it does go hand in hand, 100%. It's finding the vendors. It's making sure everything's planned out appropriately and executed appropriately so that we have either um, achieved the, the event's goal or achieved the, the house's goal, whether selling it for a certain amount of money or whatever we need to do. So, yeah, they definitely go hand in hand. And then the design aspect of things is also pretty cool that – trends, things like that, to try to help figure out what's the most um, visually pleasing to the eye and things like that for people. So what do you do at uh, Vanderbilt as far as like your event planning? Is there anything particular you do? Yeah. So um, I'm new to this position. I've been there about three months. Um, So my job is to basically serve the Vanderbilt um, community the best I can in terms of events. So I work specifically in the catering department. Um, and so people will come to us and basically my, my specific role is to help them when they need to actually design out a full event. Um, I help them with anything from, um, the timeline of how we're going to get everything in there and get everything done and executed, um, specifically the menus, the food, the alcohol, um, the linens, the flowers, the, you know, China glassware, flatware, yeah. um, anything, anything that you can imagine you see at an event. That's the kind of stuff we do. Um, I work with the, um, like the chancellor's office and a couple of the other, um, departments like, 
the provosts and people like that that are um, have a lot of high end people that are coming into town, or you know just people in the administration staff that um, have events and a lot of celebrations. They celebrate a lot. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, we talked about something that was off the microphone, and uh, it was about like pressure and dealing with that. And it seemed like probably being an event planner and a real estate, you have to deal with that. What do you, is there, you know, dealing with pressure, is that something that um, you're good at dealing with? Do you deal, is that something you've overcome a lot? Because it seems like both is a lot of pressure. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, I'm not sure why I do it to myself because I come from a background of high anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But there's something in me that in those high pressured situations, I do perform the best. Um, I see myself getting very lazy and very like just blah, honestly, mentally fogged, you know, all of that um, when I don't have that pressure on me. Yeah. So I am like, extrovert. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like the energizer bunny when it comes with no energy. I've never have any energy. I'm almost always tired, but like I will not stop until the goal is accomplished yeah. when I'm pressured. And so somehow I've ended up in these lovely positions. But the good thing is that I have made the um, mental decision that in both stressful situations that my family family still comes first um, and that I no longer want my job to be my lifestyle and I just I want it to be a job and I want to do my job really, really well and I want to make sure I exceed all expectations. I will never um, not live up to what I've promised to do, yeah. Uh, but at the same time, my family comes first, and I, my sanity comes first too. You know, that's so yeah. important. Um, but yeah, I guess I work well under pressure, but in the mental space, it's it's wild up there. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. So you say you have to satisfy like a lot of board members and make sure a lot of important people. And you told me one of the people are like, you know, they're really they work. You know, it's a really high profile person. Do you feel, particularly as a woman that has to deal with probably high-profile people all the time and keep them satisfied, do you ever have to, like, uh, be assertive? Do you have to be smarter? Do you have to be faster? Because I don't like to paint the whole picture. In my opinion, I know it sounds corny. I don't, the whole difference between men and women, I'm like, I feel like everybody's equal. And I think what separates people is just who you choose to be, if you choose to be lazy. I mean, like, you know, it's just as much as fighting. If a guy doesn't toughen up, you know, a girl will beat him up. It doesn't matter if you don't, if you let her get the, I've seen a video on YouTube where this little lady <laughs> reached up, like, swung upwards and knocked out a big six-foot-five dude. Like, if you're just not ready and you're not built for it, you're going to get knocked down. So I just believe that's the difference is who you choose to be. Do you have to ever prove yourself as a woman in the industry where a lot of people may – uh I don't know if it's male dominated. I don't know about that. But I mean, just in general, it feels like, you know, if men are there, they like to give other men a hard time. So they're going to give just people a hard time in general. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I definitely would say so. So in real estate, it's been an interesting experience. Um, I, it, from Coming from someone that just doesn't have a ton of self-confidence, like I am... I know when I'm good at something and work and I'll do it really well, but yeah. I don't necessarily like, I would never tell you I'm good at it. Um, I, I built a lot of confidence in real estate. It was, it was an amazing experience. It was humbling a lot yeah. of the time, but I would come home and ask Chris, like, 
why why are they listing with me like why are they hiring me like I know I'm nice like I came to their house and was nice to them and and it truly was I think I was just really vulnerable and I think I was also um I think it was kind and I think I was there to help them and I think that I have learned that outshined whether I was a woman man old young a lot of the time like having blonde hair has come in that uh, come into play you know um like uh, i think that people don't expect a ton out of me and then when i deliver they're kind of shocked which is i don't really mind that anymore and so that has been very interesting leading into this job at vanderbilt because um it is there's a there's a lot of really important people there and there's a lot of levels of um, like seniority and like like a lot of um, management above management above management with much higher titles and you know all of that than that. But um, I like now at this age and the level of confidence I do have in my work yeah. that um, I don't have to be the face of everything anymore. But I can get the job done, and I know yeah. I can. So I specifically took this position because I knew I could do it, and I knew I could do it well. Um, so I don't think about man or woman as much anymore as I maybe used to yeah. because I don't really – I know that my work shows for me what I do. Yeah. And, they're, and it's really cool at Vanderbilt because they look at people as like their department – and um, very filled with positivity in that university. It is shocking how nice people are. Yeah. Um, people love their jobs. They work really hard. Um, so in terms of Vanderbilt, I have not experienced any of that at all. But it's kind of like because I'm not looking to like stand out. Yeah. I'm just going to do my job and I'm going to do it really yeah. well. And I'm going to make sure you know my department did it and that it went well. Um, so I haven't experienced it in that. I would definitely say in real estate, it, it was a mix, but it was like, I sometimes like to think of it as like small but mighty, like yeah, <laughs> you yeah, don't expect yeah. it out of me. So then I just kind of come in and do it and then I'll just, you know, go out. <laughs> yeah. Well, you mentioned something and uh, you said that you were very pleasant with people and you were really like, you know, kind of honest and in a sense of just like really wanting to help and mm-hmm. be do you think that's a big part of everything with, with like just working with people? Because I don't, you know, I'm a person where I look at people and I like, I, I'm not very judgmental, but I do have a perception of what I think I'm seeing. And one thing I don't understand is how people think by being an ass towards people or being very degrading or that could actually make things. I mean, people may get things done or whatever, but eventually I'm like, I don't see how you can put that on the back of anything and expect that to continue. You can't, be shitty as a person but then expect grand results i mean maybe sometimes but you know not ultimately yeah so do you think your pleasant attitude is something is it is it something that's uh hard to give are you just naturally pleasant to where like oh it's easy you could like probably hit me upside the head and like you know I, but or is it just something you have to really woo side through you have to breathe it out i mean <laughs> i would say naturally i am but it doesn't mean that I don't have crazy thoughts. But truly no, yeah. what you said at the beginning is what it is. 
Um, I literally, I'll say, I say it all the time. I'm like, who does that person think they are? Like, what in the world gives you any right to feel like you could act like that to somebody? Yeah. Like, what do you think that's going to do for you? And, um, and also, why did you allow someone to get you to whatever point you are? You know, rude, whatever. Um, and I truly believe you get more views with honey. Like, you, oh, yeah. if you are nice to people... People don't have any problem working with you, doing things for you, I guess, or with you or whatever. Um, And it's more enjoyable. Like, you come in and be an ass to somebody. Like, that's our number one rule with our son. Like, you can't can't be an asshole. Like, you cannot be rude to anyone. No one deserves it. There's no one that deserves for you to be rude to them. Um, But, like, I just think of it like coming into a room... And if you're immediately rude to somebody, then your rest of your experience with that person, high tension, miserable, yeah. whatever it is. And it's like, what did that do for anybody? You yeah. know? And if you have a problem with somebody, talk it out. I mean, I once was at an event site and this girl just came in hot and she was so rude for the first like 15 minutes when I was with her. <laughs> I don't know what got into me because I was a little bit younger at the time, but I think it was because I was pregnant. But I just asked her to step outside with me. And I like I, I looked at her and I said, do we have a problem? Like, I need to know because we need to figure it out and then move on. We're together till like 1 a.m. I need yeah. to know what's wrong. And she, and she ended up just like breaking down and telling me that she just was like hated her job and all this stuff. And we ended up, ever the rest of the day was totally fine. But it also takes that like, you got to understand everyone's going through something. And you got to just, you know, figure it out with them. Yeah, and yeah. take the time to not... Take it personal because there's yeah, nothing yeah. I'm doing that's you know causing it basically. Yeah. Do you um do you feel like with uh your attitude and everything? Do you ever feel like people try to take advantage of it? Because I know. Well, let me ask a better question. Do people ever? Because the whole theory of like kissing people's ass and having your ass kissed. I'm personally like, I don't want anybody to kiss my ass because I don't want you to put your teeth near my ass. So I'm like, I'm pretty cool (laughs) on that. So, you know, do you feel like um, that people play you for me? Like, you know, if you're nice and you're pleasant, even your clients or people you deal with, do you deal with like that being taken advantage of? Like being meek and more nice and that being able to deal with things in that way? No, because I don't let people do it anymore. I used to. No, I I mean, that used to be my like MO. Like everyone took advantage of it. And it got old. I got really old. I don't let people do it anymore. I will very kindly tell you what I'm willing to do and what I'm not willing to do. Yeah. Um, But also bring a solution. So, like, you asked me to do something extra in work that's just like, come on. Like, you know, that's that's not my responsibility and that's not my job or whatever. Yeah. I'll kindly tell you that and I'll also bring you a solution as to how you can help yourself with it or have somebody else help you with it. So you're not just scorning people. You're like trying to work it. You're communicating the solution. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think sometimes people just have too much. On, again, always thinking about why, why are they doing that? Yeah. You know? And so, so yes, I used to get taken advantage of all the time and I just don't, I don't have a tolerance for it anywhere because I don't think I have time. And so yeah. when you don't have time, when you've run out of extra time, you figure out how to help that. And it's only controlling what you can control. Thanks to Chris. that He t- reminds me of that all the time. And so that's, you know, I can only, I can, 
if, if I don't want to be taken advantage of, I need to tell somebody so they know not to, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Now, I wanted to bring up something as well because I was interviewing Chris and we were uh, you were saying that you learned something from Chris that he taught you. And as far as you being able to deal and, you know, the business that you do, what was that that you, you know? Yeah. So number one rule in terms of, you know, the business side of things, but also it bleeds into personal is always doing what you say you're going to do. And specifically for business, we don't even have to go on the personal side of that. But like that is that's everything. Yeah. Yeah. I literally think I got my job because that's what that's how I have run my personal self in my career i in my last job i was not able to control how things were executed and it drove me nuts but i always made sure i was crystal clear from the beginning whether i could do something or not do something and then i always made sure if i did say i could do it i executed if i had to if i was the one that had to go and set up a hundred chairs because you know my vendor ended up not being able to do it i did it like it doesn't matter to me and and that's what's most important is just always doing what you say you're going to do. Because, I mean, if, if you don't, then they don't have any trust in you at all, you know? Yeah. And I, just one more thing before we're done is I wanted to ask you as uh, far as like, I always try to ask, you know, in case anybody younger ever listens and giving good advice, what do you have to say to like people or just people in general? It can be younger or whatever, but people who are trying to do high pressure jobs or do things where they may people may take advantage of their meekness or the fact that they're a woman what advice do you have to give to people i mean you know particularly women Mm -hmm. you know younger women that are dealing with that yeah gosh that's such a cool thing to even think about um i mean i think it's super important all the things we just talked about you know again couldn't say it enough do what you say you're gonna do And, and make sure you're a trustworthy person if you're trustworthy people so many opportunities will come your way. Yeah. Um, give it your all. Really, give it your all. Um, I would say the best thing that I did was I I make goals. This goes back to being a planner. I make goals by like um, like achievable goals in like groups, right? So if I know I want to do something. I know I want to do it by a certain amount of time and, and I figure out a way to make it happen. Um, so I just think in my mind, what I chose to do was I chose to work my ass off, like working till midnight on my computer every single night, um, doing taking any job I could get when I first started in the events industry. I would literally sit at the phone and answer every phone call, whether it was like a linen order or it was like the biggest order and I pushed myself into my position that I was in they didn't give it to me they actually told me I couldn't have it and I just kept doing it instead because the girl left for maternity leave and I just took her job like I literally just said I'm gonna do this and I chose in my mind to work my ass off to save as much money as I could so that we could the end goal was so that I could eventually have a baby and then chill out um what it, that allowed me to do was I took every dollar I had that I made in commission. Mm-hmm. I lived off my salary, but I took a job that made commission. And my salary was small. I lived off of that. Though. That's what I told myself I could have to spend. And then I put every dollar in my savings. So going back to what I was trying to say was make goals and do it. Don't let anything get in your way. So I made that goal. And then with that money, I was able to buy a house, which then led into everything else we've just talked about. But 
I would say make goals, do them like you say you're going to. Again, doing what you said you're going to do and save money. Save your money and put it into something that actually makes sense. And my plug would be real estate. And if you want to you know, move to Nashville, I can help you buy a house. <laughs> oh, sweet. Well, it was really good talking with you. And as you advance along your journey, I like to talk with you so we can get more information from you. Because you both have been very informative, you and Chris and everything. So I've enjoyed talking with you guys. So we'll have to have you on again. So we'll talk to you guys later. Absolutely. Have a great night. All right.